Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani, and joining me today to help set the stage for the Valencia-Real Madrid game this weekend is David Garrido of Sky Sports. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you, Kian. Thank you for the uh, very correct pronunciation of my name, because my, my parents are Colombian and they're delighted with that. I, uh, um, I know, said my, it my subconsciously. Was... I didn't even mean to say I meant to say David, <laughs> and I saw it and I said David. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. You roll your eyes, my friend. That's good. That's how it should be. It's, my, it's, it's really funny, because I remember when I, when I first started sort of in media, and, and, uh, and, and I was doing stuff with the BBC, this is a long time ago, and, and my mum heard me talk about you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid or whatever it might be on TV, mm-hmm. and she said, well, why don't you say... Barcelona or uh-huh. Real Madrid or Valencia uh, and I said because I will have it ripped out of me the next time I see any of my friends um, and I think I think sometimes it's just a little thing on pronunciation that pe- people think it's a little pretentious if you actually have a genuine accent people think you're putting it on people don't even know that I'm Colombian yeah. it is my bloodline man and I'm gonna represent so thank you for that intro absolutely spot on I've tried to in the past I've tried to kind of mix the Spanish accent when I'm speaking English and it jumbles my whole sentence so I just try to avoid it like instead of saying Real Madrid I'll just say Real Madrid it's easier I won't you know I we'll won't get work on you yet Kian we'll work on you yet <laughs> um we're you're here I mean first of all I'm really excited to just talk to you um this is this is pretty Good, cool likewise. that uh, you're on the show. You know, this is this is awesome, and I'm and I'm really excited that you're here. And um, you're obviously helping us set the stage for the Valencia game. And sure, I guess the most obvious question that I just want to know is: Well, first of all, you are a Valencia fan. Is that is that common knowledge? Like publicly, people like you're kind of known for this, or uh, do you I kind think, of keep it under the radar? Well, no. Listen, I think um, when you're a broadcaster, and I'm sure you all have spoken to a bunch of people who are commentators or presenters or whatever. Sometimes you have to just be a little careful with how you build yourself. It's not like I appear on the TV or the radio and say I'm a, an ex fan or whatever and just make it blatantly obvious. You have to sort of choose your moments. I think that, you know, people know I'm a Valencia fan from the time that I spent presenting La Liga coverage on Sky Sports. And actually, I think it's kind of it's kind of healthy. I, I don't think we should be too straight, you know, too utterly, utterly, utterly impartial. Look, if we've got mm. to do some journalism, we've got some interviews, there's time and a place for, you know, for that kind of thing. Uh, and that's obviously your default mode. But, you know, it, people want to know who you support and it adds a little bit of extra character and personality. 
Um, yeah. And listen, you know, I think it's it's excellent because then, you know, you, you really have a, an emotional investment in what you're doing as well. Um, that That's what football's about, right? It's, it's about, you know, you buying in and you're going through the whole gamut of emotions. Uh, so, yeah, but obviously when I'm, on, when, I'm, when I'm actually presenting La Liga, it's the first thing that I say. Hi, I'm Dave Gridley. You might know me as a Valencia supporter. Not exactly With your Valencia scarf on. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, ban on colours in, in the office, actually. So, uh, so yeah, you can't even wear them, even if you're just working behind the scenes. So, yeah. Congratulations on your big Copa win yesterday. Must be nice. I don't, I don't know what that feels <sighs> like. Ah, uh, I mean, do you know what? <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's, we, we almost suffered the same, same fate as you guys. Uh, you yeah. know, it was, it, Valencia didn't play well at Minsorotza. Uh, and uh, look, I think it might have some sort of impact actually on, on the game at Mistaya this weekend because they've gone that, that extra 30 minutes. Uh, they've had, you know, that trip to the Basque country and it, it just wasn't a, a brilliant week in terms of, you know, that performance and the performance against Las Palmas. Yes, he got through. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I think, you know, it's all relative in terms of where you've set your standards and seeing what's gone before with Valencia. Uh, it was just a case of scraping through. Um, you should have seen, I don't know if you saw uh, photos of, of Marcelino when he was watching or, or yeah, really yeah, most yeah, point, yeah. not watching yeah. the penalty shootout, you know, eyes closed. Um, it, it really was like that. And afterwards, it was just kind of, OK, I can breathe now. Um, but yeah, do you know what? It, it sets us up because both teams are in need of a, of a, a boost. And it's a Mistaya, which I think actually could help Real Madrid and Valencia will have it absolutely packed out. I think I read today, there's only like a thousand tickets left um, that will that will just go. Hmm. Um, so you know it's going to be an absolute blockbuster, Kian. Make no doubt about it. There's not I mean any time these two teams play, it's a gong show. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, David. I so first of all, regardless of what happens from here on, I think Valencia's season is a, relatively a success, given that where they yeah. came from, they've been you know to be quite frank, they've actually been unbelievable this year, like all things considered. They've been in a slump recently, but um, just they've, they've really been mind-blowingly good. And I don't know about you. I've, I, I kind of sense some, some things with Valencia normalizing. Like around the time they played Espanyol, they, they won that game in the first half. They, they got completely outplayed. And I think if Piatti mm. um, was a bit more efficient, that game would have gone a bit differently. And, and then you had the... You won against Alaves and Leganes and played poorly, I thought, and your counterattacks weren't efficient. I think teams kind of figured out if you're trying to pack the flanks and kind of try to stop Guedes and Soler, you know, easier said than done. You can have some success, and there's been a bit of a slump. Do you do you think it's just things are normalizing, or do you think it's just it's just a slump and they'll they'll bounce back? Where do you kind of gauge this team's form? Like, how do you see it? Well, I think you're right. I mean, ultimately, this season, if you'd said to any Valencianista. After the you know the first half of the season, you'll be you know, in the battle for second place, second, third, and you know that you'll have forty points from twenty games. Most of them would just rip your arm off because compared to last season and indeed the season before, I think that is a, a huge boost. But then there has been a correction. Yeah, um, look, I think the, the the thinness of the squad was exposed. And once we, you know, had Guedesh out for uh, a month, and, and Soler has been injured as well. It shows the first team is very, 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 very good. But then the players that you bring in, Andres Pereira, hasn't really hit his straps properly. Um, mm. Now we've got issues at centre-back. Who plays alongside Garay? Because yeah. Murillo's injured. Uh, Mesos suspended. 
Um, and, and also, Gabriel Paulista, what on earth were you doing? I mean, it felt like about half an hour that he was shouting at that ref. I don't know yeah. about you, but I was like, that, just just stop talking. Yeah. Just I, stop talking. Yeah. You've made your point. I think yeah. he gets it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's going to be a problem. And, and, and I think it, it might well get exposed again. So, listen, I, I think that overall, Valencia, Valencia fans are going to be very happy with how this season's gone. But I think it was inevitable at some point that we'd get our momentum checked. Um, and it's now a case, I think, of trying to reconnect with those things that were working so well. And, and, and very much like Real Madrid in some respects, it's transition that is the key for Valencia. It's the organisation, the first place off the ball, and then it's how you counter and, and obviously trying to feed Gonzalo Guedes as soon as possible um, and trying to get him on the ball. And I think that's going to be a real key for this game, actually. I don't know how you feel, Kian, but where he plays, left flank or right, would you rather play against Carvajal or would you rather play against Marcelo, who will probably give you more space? Yeah. Or will Valencia think, hang on a minute, do we need to put someone on Marcelo? because of his creativity and, and, and what he offers going forward. So maybe actually um, you're going to you know, stick Maximovic on that side or, or whatever. So I think that's going to be really interesting, actually, in terms of the, the play down the flanks and how both sides uh, approach that. And, um, and, it, and if Valencia can reconnect with what they did you know, at the start of the season so well, that, then I think that they, they could actually nick this one. But, but that's a huge if, because it's been a bit of a stump, four defeats in seven. Uh, in, in the last couple of months. I actually just got a bit of anxiety um, when I heard you talk about Valencia's counterattack and what you're going to do to Marcelo and all this because <clears throat> um, one thing we know that Valencia is fantastic at is is defending and singing back on their counter and their counters are lightning quick and Guedes is terrifying. And yeah, one of yeah. Real Madrid's weaknesses is literally their transition defense and defending counters. And mm. we've mm. gotten away with it against teams like Las Palmas and Eibar. Um and obviously, we haven't gotten away with it with like against three million other teams. And Valencia is, you know, is going to be really tough in this department. Um, what's the What's the update on Carlos Soler? Is he? Do we have a timeline on him yet or no? Uh, listen, I I, I, um, I think it's probably going to be in a, another month. Okay. Um, it's just sort of been one of those slightly recurring things. And and what was nice about it when when he was in the team? I mean, you know, I, I have so much time for this for this young man. Um, I spoke to him in the summer, actually, in, in August, just before the first game of the season. And um, he's just so down to earth. I mean, mm. this is incredible. For a guy who's got like an 80 million euro release clause. Um, and, you know, when you look at his Instagram and stuff, he's just got pictures of his dogs and his family. <laughs> and I love that. It's not him at some club in Valencia or, you know, uh, him, you know, posing with a watch or a car. It's him <laughs> is as that, a Is that man, a dig a proper, at Benzema? No, no, no. But did no, you no. see Benzema's I, I, Instagram actually, story? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes. Um, God, maybe it was, you know, surreptitiously or subliminally, but I didn't intend it that way, I promise. Um, but no, listen, I mean, look, they're, they're completely different people at different stages of their careers. And I hope that he remains that way, uh, that down to earth and that focused. Um, and it's a real shame that he's picked up, you know, this injury when, when he yeah. was that sort of that, that option, either in the center or on the right, that they gave balance. Yeah. You know, it was a really nicely balanced midfield when you've got Condogbi and Parejo as a really good partnership, it, it feels like it, it totally makes sense. Soler on the one side, now he's, he's not a wide player, but he but he manages to understand his role so well that you can put him there. Yeah. And then uh, Gonzalo Guedes on the other side. And, and it just totally made sense to me. I remember seeing Real Madrid, uh, sorry, I remember seeing Valencia in pre-season at, at, uh, at Bournemouth. And I went down to the south coast of England and, and saw them there. It was the first time I'd seen um, Marcelino that close on the touchline. And he was constantly barking at the players. Mm. And it was fascinating because it was all about roles. It's not so much about personality, it's about roles. 
You know, I want my right midfielders to do this. I want my, you know, number 10 to do this, my number nine to do this. And, you know, you could tell that some of them got it, Soler being one of them, and some of them, you know, were, were square pegs and round holes and weren't able to adapt. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's um, hopefully just a, a couple of weeks or, or a month at the most until we, till we see him again. Um, but, you know, do you know what? I think um, the, the interesting thing is when, when you have a little look at who Valencia have got in terms of other midfield options, what well, I actually am quite surprised by how Max Ambitious forced his way into the side now. Hmm. And he's been the, the right midfield option for the last few games. And it took him a while to break in. But now he's in. He's proved that. He's another young player in 22. So, so, yeah, so I think there are some, some other bright spots. And it's not just about that, that first 11. Whatever the version of, you know, Real Madrid's gala 11 is with Valencia. It's nice to know that certainly a couple of midfielders and then up front, plenty of options there. Well, I mean, with, with Max, basically, I think the... The silver lining in these things, not that there's ever a silver lining in losing a great player like Carlos Soler, but if there ever was one, it's 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 things like you would have never seen Maximovic kind of slide in and know you, now you have an extra player to, to you can depend on because he's been playing well. It's mm. kind of the same with Ver, Vermeilen and Barca. Um, out of necessity, yeah. he was playing, and I'm like, oh, we actually have a good player on our hands and, and someone who can help us with our depth. Do you know what? I, I, I never thought that he was a bad player. But you know, you know what mm. it's like, Kiana? And I'm sure, you know, you speak to lots of Madridistas. You know, some of them are your patrons. Some of them patrons, patrons. Some of them are, you know, friends of yours. I mean, they're patrons as well. Um, but, um, you know, you, you get all sorts of different attitudes towards... Uh, let's say, um, circumspection. So, you know, I reckon I'm relatively circumspect and tolerant as a fan. So I'm not going to write someone off um, just straight away after sort of five games. But you do get the extremes, don't you? And, you know, some people just wrote off Thomas Vermaelen, but the, the dude's been injured for a very, very long time. Yeah. Give him a chance. And and he came in when they most needed him. I mean, Samuel Amtici has been brilliant for Barcelona. Probably yeah. the only signing of uh, of last summer. Um, of, of the sort of 20 before the 2016-17 season that actually kind of worked yeah and, uh, and 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 you know without him and with Piquet you know dropped in and out a little bit around that time you absolutely needed someone to come in and step up and prove that they could you know match up to that and, and, and he did that I, I'm not surprised but what I'm surprised about is by how many people are surprised does that make sense uh, I don't want to be too sort of like you know complicated there but you know I, I think that he was a bit too maligned before well, I think there are unknowns with these things. I think, like, you know, I think an example is Diego Costa. Every single person knows he's a brilliant player. But there was, mm. like, I think the unknown with him was, like, how is he going to react coming out of, like, six months of, of just not playing? Is he going to be fit? Turns out there was still the assumption because he just slid in, like, like as if nothing happened and he was scoring goals right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and getting sent off right away. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was brilliant. I was, was, that, that game of the wonder, so I, I went there early, Jan, and... Yeah. Um, uh, just grab so it was on, on day the Reyes happening in in in, in Spain and uh, it was really kind of cold and wet and yeah. and I just thought you know what this is all set up for Diego it's there's something in the air here <laughs> that you know he'd made his debut in the Copa a second debut I suppose and then you know I was thinking this is perfect you know it's a day of celebration in Spain Atletico are at home he's playing at the new stadium he's back in front of home fans and it is a horrible rainy day. And I've got a feeling that something's going to happen. And then it did all in the space of six minutes. And that was just brilliant. In fact, yeah. I didn't even... Re- Do you know what, Kian? I didn't yeah. even realise that he got sent off. I, he, I thought he was injured. I thought he was wandering off. And then I realised 
that he'd obviously, you know, been booked a second time for, for you know, uh, yeah. going into the crowd. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, my God, so it is perfectly scripted then. He's absolutely followed the script. So, but you're right, you know, people's uh, knowledge of that kind of player are very different um, because I suppose he gets more headlines. He's more widely covered, you know, played in the Premier League for, for, for a while. So, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it's down to people and, and their own knowledge and therefore what they think their own expectations are. The, um, you mentioned briefly the, the, the training with Marcelino barking at players and some people got it, some, yeah. some people didn't get it. The, mm. the players who didn't get it, are they still with the team or no? Uh, let me have a think. Uh, no. I, <laughs> I think actually, well, no, to, to, be, to be fair, um, some of them just don't feature that much. So, you know, the likes of Nacho Gil, who's now just gone on loan to Las Palmas, mm-hmm. um, Orellana, yeah. who to be fair was just a bit of a, not case. Not, yeah, problem. I mean, you know, yeah. listen, he is. That's right. That's that's actually the perfect word. But um, he's clearly got he's clearly got something. He's got talent. But you know, the boy sometimes doesn't do himself any favors. Yeah. Um, now look, you know, now now he's in the Basque Country and at a club where he can actually probably be the star or one of the stars and and really kind of drive that team. But it just you know someone like Marcelino is is so attentive to detail and demands so much from his players, which is why maybe after a couple of years, they're sort of washed out a little bit. You know, it's so intense. Yeah. It's kind of what happened at Villarreal, really. Yeah. Um, but it's what Valencia needed. And when, when, there was, when there was discussion over who would be the new boss uh, in place of Voro, um, there was Kike Setien and him being talked about a lot. And I just thought, listen, as much as I love Kike Setien and, and, and what he's done, you know, with Las Panas, what he's done at Betis... I just don't think that really fits in terms of what we need, what Valencia need in our current situation. Marcelino is. Yes, yeah. he's a bit of a disciplinarian. But people, when you buy in and when they understand this strategy, and, and, and the vast majority of them have, then that is what puts you third in the table with 40 points from 20 games. Uh, yeah. But it was fascinating. When you see them moving off the ball, it was these real, it's like a unit. It was this almost not completely perfectly like clockwork, but this unit that was moving in you know, perfect synchronicity of four, two banks of four, and then Rodrigo and uh, who was it? Was it? It wasn't Sasa. I don't think Sasa was playing in that game, but uh, playing, you know, one off the other. Uh, Rodrigo was running all over the place. And by the way, you know, for for him, what a season he's he's been having compared again compared to to what happened last season. Most people thought oh, Rodrigo, man, I don't really don't really don't really rate him, don't really care. Yeah, but Can't now look, and, and all this, and he looks great. Yeah. yeah. He looks good, doesn't he? Look yeah, good. he looks fantastic. Um, I mean, I think that point about Marcelino's discipline is really interesting. That's why I kind of asked to revisit it because, you know, you look at the the players that he let go this summer and one of them was Orellana, which you mentioned. Another one, you know, who's out on loan was Cancelo. And mm. to me, those are two players who have a lot of offensive flair who can create. And I was thinking, who's going to replace that flair? But, you know, and... and this is exactly why I'm not a football coach. Is Marcelino exa- knows who buys in, who doesn't, which characters he wants, which personalities he wants, and you can have all the talent in the world if you're not going to buy into the system. Um, there's no place for you. And and who would argue? Look at them, like they're flying. I mean, players like Zaza and, yeah. and Rodrigo, just just unbelievable. And you go down the list. Yeah, they've been fantastic. And and even 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 Santimina, who's not you know yeah. absolute first choice. And it, whenever he comes on, I mean, I, I, I don't know his goals per minutes or minutes per goal, but I'd like to find out. I must be up there because, you know, a lot of his, you know, he came on uh, against Alaves uh, in the in the Copa Cord final second leg and scored with his first touch. 
And, you know, suddenly it was, you know, Valencia heading towards the semi-finals, And then, of course, it went, went to extra time penalties. But even he, who I think a lot of people say, well, he's, he's clearly got talent, but has he got the mentality? Well, actually, he's shown this year that he has and he's content in the system, not always to be starting. Whereas maybe Santi of last season or the season before might have just been uh, complaining or lax or whatever. You know, he's, he's sort of known as not necessarily being the best trainer or training player of, of the lot. Um, so, yeah, and, and you talk about Joao Cancelo, it's, it's an interesting one because when he played under Prandelli or played under, under Voro, um, he, he played mainly as either a right back or yeah. sort of the right side of a three and a four, two, three, one. Yeah. And actually, he's, he's for me a winger. And when he did play against Bournemouth and he played on that right hand side, he was one of the best players that day. Now, I don't know if he was sensing that things were changing and he felt like he was playing for his future. You can tell by his emotional reaction. When, when he was playing his final game for Valencia before, before then going to, to Italy. He, he was, you know, I think it all kind of came to him at once at that moment. Yeah, and he yeah, was in that's tears. right, I remember. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so, I mean, listen, but I think he, he's, he is clearly a chance to play. Maybe he can still be, maybe he can still be worked on. Maybe he can still be nurtured. I think it's a lot to do with the guidance of the coach in that respect. And, and it could be that this time away, it could be the best thing that ever happened to him, this time away. And if he were to come back, you know, maybe he would have a renewed attitude be refreshed etc but it, it sounds like his time at Mestaya may well be done hmm. and most people don't really miss him because of Gillish yeah. so you know it, it's it's a harsh way to compare but you know the guy is lightning he is so rapid it's 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 scary yeah. it's frightening and that's why I think you know where he plays and who he attacks on the flanks uh is going to be it's going to be really interesting at Mestaya on Saturday I want to throw some questions at you your way um, Go for it. Let's so do it. we have last night. I put late late last night. Uh, we finished recording our manager manager podcast uh, post game show mm-hmm. against Leganes. It was a post mortem. It was depressing. And uh, so late at night, uh, put out quite a, literally post mortem, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, <laughs> Sorry it was, about that. Was, no, that's okay. Um, listen, you've been through <laughs> your fair share of uh, struggles in the past five. This is to true. Six years, this is so true. You're allowed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I have two Champions Leagues in the past two years. I'm fine. I'll, I'll be okay. okay. <laughs> you got you got some credit in the bank there, Kieran. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I put out a call to our patrons. I said, look, we have a, we're have we recording a podcast with David Garrido and, and uh, almost immediately we just got flooded with questions. So um, here we go. First question is from Sajid Riaz. And by the way, if you guys are listening, you want to um, join our Patreon page, you want to get prioritized for your questions, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. You can pledge there and support the show. So Sajid says, hi, David. Just want to know why do Valencia transform into the 1970s Brazil team every time they face Real Madrid? <laughs> it happens every single time, even when you guys are having the most disastrous season. In fact, the last time I properly remember thrashing Valencia was 15 years ago in the 4-1 victory way back in 2002-2003 where Zidane produced that masterclass. Since then, it's either been losses, draws, or nar- narrow victories for us. What's with all the hate, brother? Let us catch a break for once. Laugh out loud. Um, wow! Can you explain it? I mean, yeah. Saji, don't, don't, I mean, listen, don't hop back. Say what you really think. <laughs> Say what you really think. Uh, no, well, listen. Do you know what? This is this is historic. Um, you know, there, there have been times when the rivalry has been quite bitter. I mean, interestingly, because I've been very fortunate um, presenting Smash for the last season. Yeah, I met Geiska. I mean, yeah, well, I met Geiska before, but meeting him on a regular basis, getting to chat to him, and he's just an insanely nice, very cool dude. He just is. He's just one of those people who's, yeah, he is, and it's and it's and it's true on and off camera. There's no there's no kind of pretense there. There's no show. It's it's just how he is. And 
um, we we did the we did the Valencia Real Madrid game, and I can't remember which stadium it was at that season. But I remember, you know, we, we we discussed it and and about transfers at the time. And in fact, actually, when he was just before he we went to Lazio, mm-hmm. um, he was heavily linked with Real Madrid. And in fact, told me that he'd done the photos. Hmm. They'd done the photos with him with the scarf, with him with the shirt, etc. But um, the the sort of asking price that Valencia put was prohibitively high, at, even at that stage. I mean, we, we know about, you know, release clauses and, you know, PSG paying extra, you know, whatever for Neymar. But at that point, you know, in that context at the time, 60 million uh, euros was a, a, an awful lot of money. Yeah. And that was what Valencia said. Well, look, Real Madrid, if you want, you're going to have to pay this. And they didn't let him go. Um, and he, I think he wanted to go. And in the end, he went to Lazio and then eventually came back and went to Barcelona. So um, that was kind of part of it. There was other transfer narratives that were really fueling this rivalry. And it's really quite an interesting one. It's quite a, a sort of bitter one. Most people don't really think about it because they think about, you know, obviously the, the classical rivalry. But for Valencia, they think about Levante. They think about maybe Villarreal. But actually, Valencia-Real Madrid, because also the the fact that there's been so many Titanic encounters then fuels that rivalry even more, which means that the next encounter becomes even more Titanic. So it's kind of almost self-fulfilling, really. Um, but, you know, I think Valencia just seem to love raising their game. They love that big occasion. It doesn't matter if they're 15th in the table or whatever, like they were last season. And, of course, that, that game that they, they played at Mistea and, you know, going 2-0 up so early and the Zaza goal on the, you know, on the volley on the turn and all that kind of stuff. It is absolutely the epitome. And it just seems to happen time after time. Um, and Parejo, I think, is a, another interesting player in this particular context because, well, you know, the free kick that he scored, um, that was at, Ber- at Bernabeu, I think, last season, wasn't it? Was yes, it feeling, or was it yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it, it was, was wasn't season, it? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, he has sort of, you know, gone up and down and he tried to leave the club to some of the four and Sevilla were in from, and then he comes in and, you know, with Marcelino and, you know, he's, yeah. he's made him like his... Is, is real kind of focal point and talisman once again with Condogbia. You know, it's a perfect partnership. And, and again, he's sort of gone on the up. And and he and he particularly likes this encounter, you know. And, and so there's all sorts of different elements to this. Um, it's just one of those little rivalries that when you get into Spanish football, you know, you, you realise actually there's so much fire there, real natural fire. Um, and, and that's why we love it. It's ga- goals guaranteed. Goals absolutely guaranteed in this one. Uh, that's probably famous last words. And, you know, you're going to give me hell on Twitter when it's nil-nil. But I just can't see it being that way. Just can't. Um, that, the, the Mendieta thing, um, that was, it was 2001. So about 16 yeah, years ago, yeah. which is crazy. That, mm. to me, it still leaves a sour taste in my mouth, the fact that the way he left Valencia. Because I just as a pure Spanish football fan... Um, him leaving both for Spanish football and for him, it was one of the worst things he ever did. Because he went to Lazio yeah. and he just fell off, and he was forgotten, and he didn't didn't last there. On the flip side, I don't, you know, I remember uh, tracking the transfer at the time as a Real Madrid fan, and I and we were all thinking, where is this guy going to play? Unbelievable player. We had Figo, we had Zidane, we had McManaman, all playing at a high level, and mm. it just seemed like so forced to bring him in. Um, and it. If he had just stayed at Valencia, it, it would have just rewritten history in such a better way, I find. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, do you know what? I mean, retros- you know, being able to see it, say these things in, sure. in retrospect, sure. in hindsight, it's, it is obviously easier. But, but I, I do take your point. I think um, 
he obviously at Lazio, obviously at three, was it sort of uh, moved, he was ultimately their player for for three seasons, but but he spent most of it on loan at Barca. And that's that's right, yeah, that's and, and right. And that's yeah. why, obviously, in, in, in terms of a, a British uh, viewing public on, on Geiska, you know, that's why he's so loved, is that, you know, he, in a very short space of time, and in not that many games, actually, made quite an impact at Borough. But um, it felt like he'd sort of, at that point, 2001, remember the, the very recent history at that point of Valencia reaching the two Champions League finals, losing them both. Yeah. Uh, this is before they then won the league, and then, of course, underneath there's League and UEFA Cup double. So he wasn't there for that. But I think maybe at this point, he spent eight years at Valencia, and I think he felt he needed that next step to truly become a great of European football. And, and, you know, where better to do that than Real Madrid? You know, the team who are most associated with that trophy that he came so close to winning twice, but, but didn't quite. And then I think the rivalry then prevented that from going through. Real Madrid were prepared to pay up to a point, but then Valencia just put it out of their reach, even for Real Madrid at that point. Well, and even was, Lazio you know, was a powerhouse at that time. So, you know, it wasn't, at the yeah. time, it sounded like it was a bad idea. Like it was, I, you know. Yeah. Sometimes things just don't work out. And, you know, yeah. I think, uh, I, I don't know whether in terms of the football at that time in, in, in Italy, whether it suited him and the, the, the style of play that he had. I mean, you know, what I loved about him is he he wasn't just the vision, the passing, but the leadership. I mean, you know, he's not uh, the sort of person who's going to bark at people. He's not going to shout orders. He's not going to be that vocal. But he led because just how good he was. Just of, of, of his, he was truly leading by example. And, and and that's what I loved about him. He was just a kind of um, quite unassuming guy who just let his talent shine and do the talking. Um, and people, I think, sometimes forget about that. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they remember the sort of, um, you know, uh, maybe some of the goals or, you know, maybe some of those beautiful passes and that vision, that, in, that incisiveness. Um, but, you know, for me, when I, when I think about him, this is when he's one of those players that you, a little bit like a Modric now, he can effortlessly control a game. You know, he mm-hmm. can just do it, um, really be one step ahead of everyone else. And everyone is playing to his tempo. And, and I think, you know, that's what, what when, when Modric is right at the top of his game, and again, coming back to Saturday, this could be key. When he's at the top of his game and, and, and he just dictates the tempo, that's such a key part of this. The, the momentum and tempo is going to be really, really interesting for this. But if, if, if Modric can do that, then I think Real Madrid are favourites. Um, and back to this point about uh, Valencia morphing into these super beings against Real Madrid. And so in the past 12 mm. La Liga games, Real Madrid has won four. The interesting okay. thing about it is that Valencia have actually only won two of those, and the rest have just been right. draws, and like high scoring draws, like you mentioned, like then, and most of them just two twos. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doubt, yeah. but five are on two two. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the next question is from Christopher McCormick, one of our patrons. He says, "How big an impact are the suspensions going to have on on this game? You're missing yeah. three defenders." Two suspensions, one injury. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So your Murillo is injured, which is a big loss, and Ruben Vesso mm-hmm. and Gabriel Palista, both both are suspended. They both got red cards. Although Garay is back. Yeah, mindless. Yeah. So you were talking yeah. about Palista earlier with about his decision to just go crazy. Yeah, Gabriel. Well, you know, obviously Marcelo knows him from his time at Villarreal, and um, it was it was interesting because I look at the Valencia team. One of the key things is partnerships. So it talks a little bit about Gondogbia and Parejo, but also the partnership that you could have in that centre-back 
sort of duo, and it was generally tends to be Garay plus one, mm-hmm. either Murillo or Gabriel. And obviously, with Murillo out injured for a, for a considerable period of time, it, it was Gabriel and Garay. Now, I think this was the area that was the weakest, and this is immediately where Marcelino strengthened. When I went to Las Palmas against Las Palmas to kick for the season, on that very day was when they announced both. And they revealed them both. And I think it was, and, and Peter Lim was there as well. It was quite strategized, as these things often are, mm. um, to kind of really give that boost to the start of the season. And of course, right, so on the game, and, you know, off we go. But now, those two players that have been brought in this summer, Murillo and Gabriel, now both out, what do you do? Now, my thought is that it would probably be Francis Coquelin, who has played at centre back a bit, but that's not his natural position who would play alongside Garay. I don't think he'll go to a three. It doesn't really make sense. They, they haven't really played in three unless, you know, against Las Palmas when they were reduced to, to, to 10 men and then nine. Right. Um, and, and because otherwise you then disrupt the midfield. Because if you put Coquelin in the midfield and you put Condovia as a centre-back, which is also possible, then I think, you know, that messes up more than it needs to. So I think Coquelin is the one that moves back and you keep Parejo and Condovia, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in that midfield Access. So that that's how I think. Uh, if if I were Marcelino, that's how I would try and set uh, Valencia. But you're right. I mean, you know, it's it's a good point, and it, it, it is very significant that it's happened just now ahead of this game, and it's something that you know Real Madrid, I'm sure, will be targeting. Absolutely sure of it. Um, I completely forgot to talk about Coquelin, actually. Like, you know, and, and a lot of these players, it goes without saying, I'm not even sure we need to talk about, like, Kondogbia has just been unbelievable. And um, But I'm, I'm curious to know about Coquelin and what your thoughts are on him because the signing kind of came out of the blue, it seemed. Um, but it, a, a lot of people were criticizing it, and I was like, you know what, it's 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 a nice depth piece, as, as is proving now. Um, mm-hmm. And he's probably under, It was he was a bit underrated at, at uh, Arsenal, I found. And a lot, yeah. of, a lot of Arsenal fans were sad to see him go a bit. Um, but what is your evaluation of, of this whole thing? And how is he doing so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he's doing fine. Um, he, listen, I think, you know, he was, a, he was at Arsenal for a very long time. Yeah. He, was, he was there for pretty much a decade. But you just wouldn't know. He, he didn't really do a huge amount. Of, you know, he, he played, what was it, about 160 or games, 180, 160 or something like that. And, you know, that, is obviously not that many per season. Uh, there was a time when, when he started really kind of imposing himself and um, he went on a few loan spells, went to, to France, I think. Um, he's one of those that I think is relatively dependable. But um, it was a bit of a surprise. And a, a lot of people are making a lot of the fee. Like, this guy doesn't play regularly for Arsenal. He's been there for so long. You know, he's, he's, he's no spring chicken. I mean, you know, he's not like he's... Um, Super hard, he's, what, 26? But at the same time, 11, 11 million pounds or, you know, that kind of thing. I think that it's it's a squad signing. It's not someone yeah. who is going to be playing in that first team. When, when, the, when everyone's fit, when everyone's uh, in form and ready to go, he, he's, he's on the bench at best. Um, but listen, I, I think that, you know, he's someone who can come in and, as we say, do a job. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think he's going to, um, you know, pull up any trees doing it. But if he can be tidy, uh, redoubtable, Make sure that he doesn't make any big mistakes. Just just do the simple things well. Then I think, you know, um, and, and work, because that's what, you know, Marcelino wants. Then I think that's all you can really ask of him. He, he, you know, he's not the sort of player that's going to have huge amounts of talent. He's not going to have high scores on FIFA 18. But you know what? That's not what we signed him for. And that, obviously, that kind of player doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't come for 11 million. So, uh, listen, I'm not displeased with it. I don't think it's a bad signing. 
but equally it's not one that totally excites me. But when you think about Murillo and you think about Gabriel, I thought, yeah, I mean, they're okay. I didn't think, wow, this, these are, you know, top-level footballers. And Gabriel had not really done much in, in, in his time uh, at Arsenal to, to suggest that that had improved. But now, apart from what happened at Las Palmas, I think he's, 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 he's made his worth really quite evident. So, you know, maybe Coquelin, maybe Marcelino has seen something there in Coquelin that he can develop that really wasn't given the airtime at Arsenal because he couldn't find a first-team place regularly enough. Our patron, Ivan Garcia, says, if there's... Uh, sorry. Um, what is the status of Valencia's new stadium? Mestalla will be missed, by the way. Oh, ay, ay, ay. Okay. Where do we start with this? <laughs> um, well, I mean, look, they, they gave an update. Uh, when was it? I think it was in like the, the autumn, didn't they? And, and, and it is basically... One of the things that confuses me about this is what's already been done and is it still valid is it still safe um i mean sadly they in the construction of the new stadium while it was ongoing sort of in in, in the late noughties um it uh it, it i mean caused the death of, of four people um and you know, obviously all the money problems in spain and with uh, not just the economy but obviously valencia and their debts which really not only put the brakes on it, but put it severely in doubt. And I, I think if you have, have you actually seen the site itself, Kian? It's it's quite it's quite eerie. Um, you kind of get there's a there's a hotel sort of across the road from it, and you can sort of go up there and you can just sort of look look from like the twentieth floor or whatever, and look down look down on there. And you know it's got it, it just you know it, it feels like the real feeling of our oh, what could have been. Um, and what what's happening now is that it's not by any means a priority for the club, but they have tried to sort of scale down to try and complete it but it, it you know we've got our centenary next year it won't be time for that um and it will be um from i think it was originally going to be about eighty thousand to now about just over sixty thousand um and the, the the design is really quite simple i think before it looked like wow um you know it'd been like we skinned it you know it had lots of nice little local valencian community touches to it you can forget that. I think it's going to be a lot more kind of um, straightforward, but still a, a big stadium, you know, uh, compared to, you know, the, the Mestalla right now, it will be an increased capacity, but not as big as as what they had hoped. Um, you know, I think it's clear that, that for Peter Lim, it was never a priority, absolutely never a priority. If the club changes hands, which has been talked about, by the way, it's not like it's, you know, it's it's off the table. There have been talks with, with other potential owners in the future. That may change things. But so, for now, yeah. The so yeah. the the background of this it started the project started before the Lim era, obviously. Um, yes, yes. And what what was the reason they they just stopped working on it if they had started already? Oh, because because of the the debts that accumulated. Oh, okay. Okay. Valencia to to their creditors, Bankia, uh, and then of course also we had the, the 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 crises in Spain, both in terms of the economy generally, but but also. Um, construction and housing and things like that. So it was this horrendous storm of things that all came together at the same time. Um, and remember as well that in order to continue the construction, Valencia had sort of banked on being in the Champions League every season, hmm. which of course then start, stopped happening. Um, they kind of sort of said, oh, well, yeah, that's 35 million. We're going to get that. But then, of course, they didn't. So, um, you know, and, and it, I mean, you know, Valencia, whether they want to admit it or not, did not handle that well at all. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those little blots, really. And, and I think hopefully um, 
the the new stadium will be almost like a symbolically a sort of a, a new beginning that way but at least the changes that have been made in just in since the summer in terms of coach in terms of sporting direction uh have been positive and that's where it starts it has to start there and then everything else hopefully follows um look you know i, I remember seeing it i remember looking down i can still see like odd bits of you know um like these metal poles and these big sort of slates of things. And I'm just looking there, just feeling quite depressed about the whole thing mm. because you kind of look and just go, Oh, look, this could have been amazing. Mm. Uh, but it was, yeah, as I say, that sort of that, that those circumstances all conspiring. Um, and, and then Valencia themselves not, not doing the job on the pitch. Mm. Um, this next question will, will take us, will shift us to Real Madrid a bit. So okay. an- another patron question from Risto. He says, um, so, David, from Capello to Mourinho and Carlo and Zidane, and then there was the Benitezes of the world, what is Real Madrid's <laughs> identity? What does the club and team stand for, the founding principles? Leave history aside right now. What is the identity? Wow, things have got deep all of a sudden, haven't they? Yeah, oh. got a bit um, yeah I, I don't know. This is a question that a lot of people struggle with um, yeah. because we're unsure what what the identity is at the current moment. We kind of knew what it was last season. It it, it was a bit yeah. it was a bit clear. Um it was uh, it was direct. Um there was a lot of movement and off ball movement from four central midfielders and Isco doing a lot of work providing outlets. And mm. um this year it's kind of just a mishmash of tactical madness and chaos. I agree with that. I yeah. think um you know, when, when I when I think of, of what he, well what you wrote in your piece on managing Madrid on the immediate reaction to the Leganes defeat mm-hmm. in the Copa, I just kind of think that in itself tells its own story. And I think to do with identity, I think it's not just to do with tactical things, it's to do with desire. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Real Madrid have always had is desire and this inevitability. You know, if you're, if you're synonymous with the word remontada, you know, a comeback, then that shows desire. I feel that when you were painting the picture of Marco Asensio, you know, having been fed by Isco, and then you're looking up and you're there going, hang on, how do I get through this? Like, there's just all these bodies in the way. It's because Leganes wanted it more. Now, this is a team who have far smaller budget, far fewer resources. However, what they have is a manager or a, or a coach who is incredibly good at getting his ideas across and making sure that all of those players, the, the sort of, you know, motley crew that they are at Leganes, absolutely deliver that with the desire. So I think that's the thing that's really lacking at Real Madrid right now. Um, if you go back to the start of the 2016-17 season, uh, no major signings apart from the return of Morata. And then, you know, you have this team that set out to win La Liga. That was clearly the priority. And they said, right, well, let's just go and do it. And our talent will get us there. And you're right, the, the kind of, um, you know, you, you, tactically, it, it made a lot of sense with the, with the pace and the movement. But also, tactically, in terms of team selection and towards the end of the season, when, you know, they just had to make sure they kept their noses in front, kept their noses in front. And, you know, the, the use of the supposed B team. Well, the thing is that that all made sense because that B team, those players... Your Moratas, your Hameses, your Iscos, your Lucas Vasquez's, when they came in, they completely understood. They had the hunger. They had the desire. They wanted to prove themselves. They all played their part. Now, I'm not just saying this because I'm Colombian and born of Colombian parentage, but for Hamez, don't forget, he scored that goal that almost ended the title race early. The 2-2 at the Bernabeu. Mm-hmm. That goal when Real Madrid were down to, two, to 10 men. Mm-hmm. And then that beautiful run 
curling around into that near post and fight. And then it made me think, do you know what? This shows what Real Madrid are this year. They are that team that every single person, to a man, wants to prove their worth. Mm-hmm. Now, you go into the start of this season, maybe the two Supercopa wins were the worst thing that could have happened because what I think that led to was complacency. And there wasn't the desire. You've already won two Champions League back-to-back, the first team to ever do it. You've got La Liga for the first time in five years. And nothing has really changed that much. And the B team now, if there is a B team, isn't being trusted. And do you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Barcelona under Luis Enrique. Hmm. When Luis Enrique had his Gala 11 and he had the options on the bench, he never used them, never Mm. wanted to. And I feel now, ironically, that that Real Madrid has sort of turned into that because, you know, I haven't seen enough of Ceballos. I personally think that he's a a player who, who could really be uh, an absolute world superstar if he has the right application and he's guided in the right way. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Llorente, I wasn't particularly impressed by the performance against Leganes. I thought it was disjointed. Uh, but, you know, what he did at Alaves was maybe extraordinary by their terms in a team managed by Mauricio Pellegrino. So maybe that's fitted him at that stage in his career for him to shine like that. But then you come back to the Bernabeu and you're trying to unseat Casemiro and you can't. So I kind of feel that, you know, it, it, ironically, there are echoes here with your, with your greatest rivals. Um, you know, when Barcelona made the, made the signings before the start of last season, we talked about it before. Samuel Mtiti is the only one that really worked. You had Luca Din, you had Andre Gomez, you had Paco Alcácer, you had Silicon, um, you had Denis Suarez coming back. But, you know, they made all this change. Everyone, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, young 20-somethings, you know, hungry. And now look, this time around... It's Real Madrid who signed the younger players. Plus, you've got Vallejo coming back, Mayoral, etc. And yet, the freshness doesn't appear to be there. It's not being trusted. And the the established stars, maybe there is that complacency that they're not really going to... You know, if, if they're all fit, they play because that's what Zidane does. He's sort of stubborn in that way. So, listen, I, I've, I've kind of rambled on a fair bit there. But no, I think no. you kind of get what I'm, what I'm aiming at, really. It's, yeah. it's this slight staidness. Um, and, and not the hunger, not the desire that was shown last season and where everyone, no matter what their place in the pecking order, really displayed. My, um, my, I, 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 I struggle dealing with the expectation that people have of, of this current B team, the quote-unquote B team, because they, they call for these players to play more. Everyone's yelling at Zidane to play Ceballos. Where's Ceballos? Um, Marcos Llorente plays right good minutes. Marcelo can't defend. Bring on Teo. Um, and then they just don't play. And then they play these Copa games with a lack of familiarity, um, a bit cold. They have no match mm. with them. And then they, they struggle. And then, and then everyone says, why are you playing these kids? It's a disaster. And <laughs> there's, it's almost like there's no sense of development. That idea is like thrown out the window. And yeah. look, I, I remember the struggles that players like Marcelo, Ramos, even Ronaldo, all of the, so many young players, they went through Real Madrid and they became legends. And mm. I remember very clearly the amount of the, the, the short leash we had players like with Marcelo and Ramos. And yeah, yeah. And, you know, David, you and I watched La Liga both. We, we saw what Ceballos did with Betis. We saw what, what Marcos Llorente and Teo did with Alaves. And, and I think if these players were still out there with their respective teams in La Liga, we'd be crying for them still to, to oh, my God, please sign these kids. They're amazing. We need to make yeah, sure that Barca yeah. doesn't get them. And then we get them. And then there's this outcry of, 
um, why are you playing these guys in the Copa game? And and, and I, that's the thing. The thing is, um, I don't I don't like pr- placing blame on a on a coach who won back to back Champions League titles and generally is, is a legend. And if you ask me, I think he should he earn he has earned the right to steady the ship and just try to figure it out yeah. somehow. But yeah, great. But I, agree. I also think it's just crazy to blame these kids. Um, for being thrown into a, a no, tactical I, fire, you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. I think. I think. Listen. Um, when Real Madrid were getting those results, often you know, going two goals down against Villarreal, whatever it might be, and you just had this always this sense of inevitability that they would just get. You know, I have a friend. It's really funny, and we we meet in the Sky Gym every so often. And he said, you guys have Do you know a gym? What I've been doing this oh season? my god, we need. I, what am I doing with my life? You're all, you're always welcome. I'll take you around the gym. There's some studios, by the way, as well, some TV studios. But no, I'll take you around the gym as well. Um, it, it was really interesting. So he, he, he watches that league. I didn't know, him, and he was talking about it. And, and he said, um, mm. Do you know what I do? I've noticed that Real Madrid go behind a fair bit. As soon as I do that, I lump on to them to win. I lump on a, a bet. So as soon as they are one 0 down to that, I just pile it all on Real Madrid because the odds are obviously better. Than if you'd done it at the start of the game when it's nil nil, right. and and I was like, yeah, I mean this is happening a lot, but there was an inevitability part of their aura, part of the way that they are. Um, but the thing was that you know, yes, there was a, a bit more uh, tactical identity, if you like, in terms of the the, the style of play. Um, but this season there really isn't, and in that sense, with developing players, what are they supposed to be learning? I think you know to a certain extent, you know, people talk about Zidane. Is he a good coach? Is he not a good coach? Well. For last season, it was perfect. Most, you know, most decisions he got right. There were a few that maybe went slightly wayward, taking Ronaldo off against, I think it was Las Palmas away. Was that right? And it was the 2-2. Yeah, that's right. Um, And, you know, a couple of the, but listen, no one gets everything right. We all make mistakes. Um, and you know the the what you what you should do is just man up and admit it, and then you just crack on and and try and do a good job and learn from it. But most of the things you know in terms of team selections, you know those trips to Depor and Granada, not great teams admittedly, but that's when you play those players. That all worked out, and that didn't carry the Champions League campaign along with it. And then you had just the sheer talent of of Ronaldo to to, to push you through that relentlessly. But this season, the young players, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just there. Go, what 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 is it that we're doing? What what is the style? I mean, you know, it's a good. It's, it comes back to the question: what what is the identity? And when you're young and you need that guidance, that's when you need a coach, coach to come in and say, right, okay, this is what we're doing, and this is the style, and this is how I want you to play within it. Which is what I'm saying about Llorente, that when he was at Alavés, you know, most ball recoveries for a midfielder in the entire season, the entirety of La Liga, with Mauricio Pellegrino, who a lot of people have said, and when when the appointment was made, asked oh, a smart. Smart, smart appointment by Southampton to, to get this guy and look what he's oh, achieved absolutely. with Alaves with meager resources, etc. Yeah. It hasn't quite worked out, but yeah. it's a very, very different, as you know, very different beast, very different creature playing sure. and managing in English football. But with Llorente there as a, a really central, pivotal figure and the way that they like to play at Alaves under Pellegrino, it made sense. And for him and his development, that's what then made people say, oh, well, Real Madrid, you've got to get him back and get tail while you're at it. And come to some agreement with us. Let's go on. We'll just we'll just do it. It's fine. But you see, the thing is that his his context, his situation, his landscape has changed, um, and that's why maybe he's you know that performance against Leganes really proved it. You know, just balls going nowhere. Maybe sometimes trying a bit too hard. Um, but you know, the one that I think really could be special, like I say, is Ceballos. I spoke to Victor Sanchez Delamo, former, of course, former Real Madrid player, La Liga winner, Champions League winner. 
Mm-hmm. And he obviously coached him at Betis as well. And, you know, he said, uh, because before Gaspoia had basically almost ruined the guy, hadn't, hadn't done much with him. Then in comes Victor, said he's the ship, gets Betis safe and gives Ceballos the freedom that he deserves. And when you do, he's a sort of player that I think can take the game by the scruff of the neck. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see him being given a similar freedom. Question is, who then makes the way? Who, who's the one who steps aside? I sometimes think, actually, that you don't necessarily need Casemiro playing in every single game. Let's just try and take the handbrake off a little bit. Let's let Danny play and see mm-hmm. what happens. Because I think you endow him with that confidence and that belief, then I think you can really have a star on your hands. But if you don't give them the, 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 you know, the, 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 the space to breathe, then you know these, this is a, such a crucial age, it's such a, part, a formative stage of their careers. Um, and, you know, I think he, he needs to believe a little bit more in, in what he's got there because it, it, there's no doubt they're talented players. But, you know, they need someone to kind of say, hey, look, you know, I do really think you're that good. I'm going to give you this chance. And it's not just in the Copa last 32 first leg against, you know, no sé qué. so um, I, I, I think that there's still some life there. There's still some things that can be nurtured and improved. I'm with you. I'm with you 100% on that, on everything you just said. Um, David, I, I think I've abused your time enough, and uh, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on. And um, Not oh, at all. My pleasure. Maybe before we wrap it up, do you have a prediction for this weekend? Mm. Well, you see, um, on uh, the Revista Predictor, of which I'm sure you're aware, and, yes, and yes. I, I didn't ask you to ask me that question, you know, to, to plug this, but it is something that I do with Sky Sports. It's, yeah. Um, uh, it's this, you know, little digital thing that we do on the website and on Twitter. We we choose three games, and you choose the uh, the, the final score and and uh, and first goal scorer. So it's myself. It's uh, some of the commentators: Rob Palmer, uh, John Driscoll, Kevin Keatings. You're aware of their work, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And David Phillips, who's a who's a summarizer, co-commentator. Um, and I think actually, do you know what? Let me just quickly check. What has everyone? Oh, I'm going to give you some breaking news here. This isn't this isn't meant to be out until Friday morning, but I'm going to give you the exclusive on this. Oh wow! Uh, what, what have I gone for? I've gone for one-one okay. with Bale opening the scoring. Okay. Uh, Rob Palmer reckons that you are going to absolutely destroy us. Three-nil Benzema first goal scorer. Oof, oof, oof. Um, I know, but the thing that Rob Rob goes rogue though. That's what Rob yeah, likes yeah. to do. It's a gamble. For, for Villarreal Real Sociedad, he's gone three-four. I mean, I'm thinking, what, 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 what are you on? What have you had for dinner? I've no idea what you're saying there. Um, John Driscoll, Kevin Keating's both gone for 2-2. Uh, as we said, you know, if in doubt, back the 2-2. And also David Phillips has gone 2-1 Real Madrid with, uh, with, yeah, three of us have gone for Bale first. Uh, Kevin, who's leading at the moment, has gone for Santi Mina to score first, okay. which I think is actually quite smart because Santi only played uh, last 30 minutes of normal time and then the extra time at Alaves, so he might be that bit fresher. Uh, he's, he's obviously in confident mood. Uh, I know you don't like his celebration, but you may well be seeing it in Mestalla if Kevin Keating's is you right. You know that. I was going to um, wondering if I had to mention it, or you've already heard me say that. So I didn't no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it belongs to someone else, man. You know, yeah. you, you, you've got to at least give him a kind of credit. You know, you got to, <laughs> if you're going to take an NBA superstar's, you know, uh, celebration, you know, you got to at least kind of name check him or at least add in his Twitter handle or something. <laughs> I don't know, but. Um, yeah, listen. Well, I think I think yeah. it's going to be goals. It's going to be goals, and and I th- I'm going to stick with what I put on the predictor, one-one. Uh, um, but look, if you get into if you tear into our centre central defence, uh, maybe Rob Palmer's right. Maybe it's three 0 I don't know, but it's going to be entertaining. Absolutely. Where can people find you and connect with you? On Twitter is the best way, or 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, that's that's the best one for me. So it's at Sky Sports, David. Um, yeah, listen, you know, what, one of the things that I think is great, and, and you know, we've talked about this off air, Kian, before, that you know, there's a real vibrant, engaged community um, in Spanish football. No matter what your role is, you know, you can be a broadcaster, you can be a journalist, you can be even a player, you can be a fan, and and I think there's a really good sort of level of conversation there. Um, which is just, you know, really fun. So just come and chat. I'm always up for chat. So, um, yeah, at Sky Sports David on Twitter. David Garrido, thank you so much for joining me and doing this. And I wish you all the best, my friend. And uh, hope we can do this again soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Count me in. Thank you, Ken. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile. The most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.